0: Hey there Ask Ears, welcome to another episode of the podcast and we have a Q&A episode for you today. I'm very excited. I love answering your questions and I looked through the document that we have where all these questions land and there were a couple that had the same theme. So today we are going to be talking about anxiety and we're going to be talking about therapy and we're going to talk about feelings. For this second question, I am I am phoning a friend. I'm bringing in my friend, my very, very good friend, Kate Anthony. She is someone who I talk to pretty much on a daily basis. And I wanted to have someone's perspective that wasn't just mine, someone else who struggles also with anxiety and has a lengthy relationship with therapy. And just to get her insight, too. And I know that you'll love her as much as I do. I've had her on the podcast before on a Q&A. And when I saw these questions, I was like, ooh, Kate. Yes, we need to hear from Kate, too. Before we jump into the very first question, I want to let you all know that the Tanning Tacos and Transformation Conference is officially open for registration, y'all. So the last two years, you may have heard me talk about this that we've been doing this for this is our third annual so it's very very exciting we have got it down to a science now and when i say we i mean myself and my good coach buddies kira sabin and amy smith we are co-hosting this event it's a conference this year in orange county california in huntington beach and the place that we're doing it at is literally on the beach you guys i don't use the word literally that often but it literally is on the beach like you just steps away from the sand and we are so excited to bring this to you it's in October we are going to be covering topics around fear and the inner critic we're going to be talking about confidence female friendships and communication how to actually communicate in a very very healthy way so early bird pricing is going on right now that ends soon so if you want in on it if you want to go check it out where it is how much it costs all of that that good stuff, go over to triple T conference.com. And the link, of course, is in the show notes for you to be able to just get to that easy peasy. All right, that's it for the announcements. And let's get on with the very first question from our podcast listener. (laughs) So, our first question comes from a woman named Stacy, and she says, Hi Andrea, I absolutely love your book and your podcast. As a 25-year-old with loads of anxiety, I have gained a ton of knowledge and also a great sense of support with your community. I've been seeing a therapist for a year, and I definitely have found myself obsessing over emotions and feelings when my sessions begin and end. Have you ever stopped therapy to take a break? It sometimes makes me feel like I put so much focus on feelings that I obsess over them and lose the rational side of myself. Well, the first thing that jumped out at me is, Stacey, you said, "I as a 25-year-old with loads of anxiety, I'm going to probably say this 17 times during this entire episode, me and Kate, I am not a doctor. (laughs) You guys all know that. Disclaimer alert, disclaimer alert, I am not a doctor, but quote-unquote loads of anxiety seems to me that you should be talking about that with your therapist and going to a trusted general practitioner to see if medication is right for you i'm not saying that it is i am not prescribing medication to you but i think it's a conversation that you might want to have i was also a 25 year old with loads of anxiety Kate and I are both going to talk about our experiences a little bit later in the podcast, but I got to a point in my life where I felt like it was unmanageable, and I personally, and I don't know what the story is, Stacey, I don't know if you're even... Maybe if you've been on medication before, if you're currently on medication. So, again, I don't – this is all the information I have. But personally, I I wanted to talk about this first because you also say – I lose the rational side of myself. So that to me speaks volumes, because when I was in that place of feeling so much anxiety on a pretty consistent basis, I had lost the rational side of myself. And for many people, that's what happens to us when we get into that place where anxiety kind of takes over our brains and takes over our lives. So personally, again, this is just my experience. Personally, I could not take the next step in my life. And what I mean by that is I don't think that I could have started to heal my emotional state, started to understand what better coping skills looked like, started to have healthier relationships until I got my brain and my mental state to a place where where I had a rational side and I know that there's a lot of you listening who have struggled with anxiety disorder either in the past or maybe currently but I felt like my brain was like a runaway train and I couldn't keep up and fortunately for me it's been a long time since I've felt that way and I haven't been on medication for about a decade but looking back at the trajectory of my own personal development journey and how anxiety played a role in there is that is that I, I needed to get to a place of neutrality So, and I couldn't do that when my anxiety brain was taking over so I, I had to get to a place where I wasn't obsessing with my thoughts where I I had where I had some space. I had some space. And we're going to talk about mindfulness in a, in a little bit, too. But I think for me, medication gave me and, and a lot of other things too, not just medication, but medication gave me that kind of relief that I needed, like that chemical balance of clarity and just like, oh, okay, so this is what, quote unquote, and I hate this word sometimes, but I'm gonna use it, this is what normal feels like. This is what even keel feels like. And it allowed me the presence and space to be able to look at the issues that I needed to look at, to be able to really take the self-awareness that I had and look at it critically and be able to learn things like self-compassion, forgiveness, like all of the things that I talk about here on the podcast. I think that if your brain is like a runaway train, it is the biggest uphill battle ever to actually work on the things that you want to work on. So again, Stacy, like that's what kind of jumped out at me in your email. It's, it's not really the question of have you ever stopped therapy to take a break? I think that And and I'm going to I'm going to answer that, too. But I, I, I just wonder if that's not really the issue, that the issue is, do you need to help yourself in a way to you can get to that place of neutrality so you can just kind of allow your brain to take a breath? So you can kind of come up for air and be like, OK, here are the things that I actually need need to work on. I tend to attract a lot of, attract a lot of women who are serious go getters and they are just like going and going and going like I want to get this personal development thing down like I want to heal my issues like I want to be the best person of me. And that is all great. But when your brain isn't cooperating. I don't even know if that's possible. I, I can tell you just from personal experience, that was not possible for me. I'm not saying that that's, that's hands down the case for you, Stacy. but I, again, I can just tell you my experience. So address the question that you have about, have you ever stopped therapy to take a break? Absolutely. I. Often, And and I don't I don't want this to be like, this is the way you do it (laughs) because it looks vastly different for, for anyone. But I think just you asking the question is that's your answer. Like you. Yes, it sounds like you need to take a break. And I do think that sometimes we outgrow therapists and it's good to maybe look for new ones and just trust your gut with that. And I think that maybe you do need to allow yourself some space to take a step back and, and look at everything. I think, you know, this really reminds me of the the podcast episode I did a few weeks ago where I, I talked about like, are you half-assing your personal development? So my question for you might be, are you sort of hoarding all of this information that you're getting from your therapist and like all these self-awareness bits and pieces about yourself and then not really doing anything with it? Because I think, like I always say, self awareness is half the battle and then you get to a place where it's like okay now what are you going to do with all of that information and and therapy is a is a great way to get to all of that self awareness and you know all the other things that you're doing as well so for you it's it might be a place of Take a break from therapy, look through all of your notes, journal on all of the things that you're learning about yourself, all of the things that are like, these big takeaways and aha moments. And then you can reconvene and say, like, what do I want to what do I want to do with this? Do I need to go to a 12 step program for something? Do I need to forgive certain people? Do like what are all these things that you actually want to do? in order to improve yourself because again it's like this 50% knowing what's going on and 50% sort of strategy or action or what are the things that you you actually want to do going forward and Also, you're 25. So this isn't something I think that you can wrap up by the end of the year. This is going to be a lifelong process. Like what I just mentioned right there. You might be still working on that when you're 40. In fact, I probably I think that you probably will. And what ends up happening is that we we work through some stuff and then we're like, yeah, I got it. I, I dealt with that daddy issue or whatever it was. And then. Five, 10 years down the road, maybe you get into a new relationship with somebody and you get triggered and you're like, oh, my God, this is back. Why? Why is this back? And then you find yourself back in therapy because there's a whole new layer of it. So I hope that helps. And I I hope that sort of answers your question. And and I, I did sort of read between the lines a little bit. And yeah, it's just about I really invite you to Stacey to trust your gut. And it sounds to me that from your email, like you already know what's going on. You are putting too much feeling, you know, focus on this and you're obsessing over it. You're losing the rational side of yourself. Again, just you asking that question. You know, have you ever stopped to take therapy to take a break? It doesn't matter what I've done. Like to me, it sounds like that's what you want to do. That's maybe what your body is. Is wanting, saying, like, Stacy, girl, slow down. Let's not go to therapy every single week to purge and talk about all of our problems. You can take a break. All right? Permission granted. So let's move on to our second question. And I am going to call Kate and we are going to dive in. <laughs> ring, 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 ring. Hi, Kate. Hi, Andrea. <laughs> That's me calling you. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, so I told my <laughs> listeners I was going to phone a friend, so let's <laughs> pretend that I called you. Hi, and you're my friend that I am gonna have on for my listener q and a. I love it. I do too. before we jump in i wanted to I wanted to talk about something briefly, and I know that this is hard for us, like the whole word briefly for us is difficult, mm-hmm. but a couple of podcast episodes ago, I told my listeners about how I was thinking about growing my gray hair out. Oh, right. We talked about that. We did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think for like an entire day. (laughs) Yeah. And it was Well, you were the first person that I told that I was thinking about doing it and I wanted because, Okay, let me back up a little bit because I haven't given anybody an update about what I found out. I don't even know if I told you this. I probably told you this because I tell you everything. So (laughs) I went to my hairdresser, when was this, the Friday before last, told him again that I was really thinking about it and he was like mm-hmm. alright. <laughs> I'm telling him how I want it to look and, and I was showing him some Instagram pictures and he's like you're not that gray. Like, how gray do you think you are underneath your color? And I was like, I'm yeah. thinking like 50 or 60%. He's like, no, 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 no. So then he showed me, he like ha- he was showing me all the different areas of my hair. And he's like, you think you're more gray because where I part my hair, I have a patch. <laughs> have a oh, patch of white. you need to change that part. So he's like, <laughs> I know it's on the side. And he's like, it's just like how people get patches in their temples. And it just... Everyone's different, and people have different patches on around yeah. their scalp, and some people don't have any at all. Yeah. So that is making me feel like I'm more gray. And he he said he's like, honestly, if you grew it out, he's like, I don't I don't think it would be that noticeable. So he said, if you want to do it, now is probably the time, so it wouldn't be so hard for you to grow it out. But that being said, I what was funny is that I didn't expect. The um, There are some people I've told about it. I get mm-hmm. all kinds of different reactions. Some people yeah. are like, yeah, go for it. And some people are like, that's interesting. I don't want to do that. You know, like they're kind of indifferent. And then there's Brilliant. some people... <laughs> like okay I have to tell people what your reaction was like I tell you like, everything and I'll we use the, the app Voxer to communicate mostly and so you know we leave each other these messages and usually like I'll just tell everyone Kate's the, my friend who like if I want to get fired up about something I call Kate <laughs> Kate's the one who I could come to and I'm like mad about something and like you will hand me the fiery torch like <laughs> if I don't want I get fired up about something I I'd probably call somebody else but Kate's my <laughs> friend if I if I need to be completely irrational <laughs> like, like, oh. I give you full permission I hold the space for Irrationality, for irrationality <laughs> yes but you, you're always you always have something to say you always have an opinion and but this particular topic when you when you messaged me <laughs> back you were like I don't even know what to say to you right now. <laughs> I was so triggered. <laughs> you said, this is it. I quote You said, I thought you were as vain as I was. Like, <laughs> like, I was like defecting from all womankind, but you're not the only one who's reacted that way.
1: And you're not yeah. at all. I, <laughs> I was so triggered because, of course, my first thought was. Wait, am I going to have to do this? Oh, is this <laughs> like, going to be a thing? Is this kind of like sisterhood of the traveling gray hairs <laughs> yeah. where now I have to do it? <laughs> oh, my
2: God.
0: I can't be the only one who still colors my hair. Oh, Shit. my God. Oh, yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. been really interesting, the the reactions I've been getting. I have I have one particular client. She's so cute. She was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's like you let somebody else be the spokesperson For that but but I I love Talking about it because it Further shows me How culturally screwed up We are about this and how we really View uh, There's yeah. so many different things you know regarding Women about how we're supposed to be but and this is one Of them like we yes. view We view g- women especially I think Women in their 40s women yes. with Gray hair as Undesirable old Definitely unfuckable like, right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. Yes. A hundred percent.
1: Well, and here's the thing. It's like, I had that reaction and then I had to be with myself about my reaction. And then I was like, ah, shit. I, now I have to actually deal with this. Now I actually have to look at myself and what is it that I'm resisting Mm -hmm. (laughs) about Andrea going gray for myself or right. This image that I have decided, uh, that I need to portray that you need to portray the space that we need to hold in the world as women and our vanity and yeah it was a thing it it was
0: member FDIC. Slash andrea that's fifteen percent off at masterclass.com slash andrea masterclass dot com slash andrea and I, I, that's not what I was expecting I was expecting people to be opinionated about it but I definitely didn't expect it to kind of turn the mirror on other women and have them look at their own views about that and, and insecurities and um, things that they 've made up about about who they are as a woman with a certain kind of hair. And and really, too, it's I, I, th- I wonder if the people in my close circle and even just even the podcast listeners is is if that I am making things suddenly unsafe, because if I do yeah. this, you know, we do have an element of safety, how we're kind of all the same, you know, and, and if I and if I it, it is sort of like defecting. Like I'm yes, like yes,
1: there yes, absolutely. There was a level of betrayal mm-hmm. that I was that I was like, wait a minute, you, it,
0: what? Right? Like, no, absolutely. You, you, we all have to. <clears throat> I think subconsciously we, we feel it must be some kind of like community tribe thing. How how we mm-hmm. all carry this secret, quote unquote secret. That we hair. Yes. But I'm feeling like I'm not fooling anybody. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, well, and it also I think it's also different if you're single, if you're married, you know, Mm -hmm. I loved your response
0: when I asked you what your husband thought about it. Oh, that he's colorblind. That like. he's colorblind. No, well, she's off the hook. I mean, he what? doesn't notice. He only notices if I've drastically changed color. So if like the right. time, the um, I think maybe two or three times since we've been married, I've gone from blonde to brunette, like in, in right. one fatal swoop. And he'll yeah. be like, oh, you changed your hair. But like if I'm subtly going blonder or darker, he doesn't notice at all. So right. if, I, if I went platinum, he probably would notice because that's right. what my hairdresser said he would do to... To um, help me go gray, but right, yeah, right. It, yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't notice. So I don't even have that. It would really be about me. And being someone who has an online platform and how my, um, you know, like my one dimensional life, like, you know, pictures of me is my is my livelihood. It's it's a big deal. And then I'm like, kind of like, oh, my God, am I going to you know, I feel like I've been the spokesperson for getting sober. I've been the spokesperson for having a child on the autism spectrum. I'm like, God damn it. Am I going to be the spokesperson? (laughs) (laughs) For going naturally gray. (laughs) yeah, I have no qualms too. like about trying it. And then if I hate Mm -hmm. it, yeah, I'm I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, oh, my pride. And I'd much rather like, yes, my sobriety is super important to stay sober. But like if I hate it three or six months in going gray, I'll go back. Well, listen, you know, I did it, I did it last year. I mean, you went through
1: that with me where I went red for a year mm-hmm. and it
0: really changed
1: things in ways that I actually didn't uh, anticipate. Uh, and it was really, uh, it was really weird and uncomfortable because I didn't feel like me. Yeah. I really didn't feel like me and it was really confronting um, and partly because I'm used to being blonde right. I'm used to walking around and you know, there's just that thing that people notice blondes more and suddenly totally. nobody, nobody was checking me out mm-hmm. um, and ironically at the same time I had lost a ton of weight and I probably physically looked better than ever um, but nobody noticed and
0: it was really I had to deal with my ego on that mm. level it was a huge deal it's, it's a lot of ego and oh it's a lot of ego yep. I, what's interesting to me is I didn't realize you would think I would realize that but I didn't realize all of those layers and elements uh, were in it to me it was just kind of like well maybe I'll grow my gray hair out and then I started to look into it and I'm reading all these blog posts and hashtag granny hair it's a hashtag wow what call it. Yeah. granny hair Granny oh. hair. and uh, yeah and ego and vanity and, huh? and, and so many cultural things that we have created <laughs> this yeah and out
1: and really just outward validation, right. right Like you know walking into a store and having people check you out and, and or not. Mm -hmm. is suddenly weird.
0: It is. Yeah. Yep. All right. Gross. (laughs) 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 Well, that's not what we came here to talk about. I I appreciate all your opinions on that. And and it will be, you know, stay tuned, everybody, because it will be an ongoing conversation, I'm sure. But this is kind of part two of this particular episode, this listener Q&A episode. And this question comes from a listener named Amy. And she says, I would love a podcast over what it really means and looks like to be with your feelings. I alternate between numbing and anxiety. I can go full-blown panic attacks. It is causing problems at work and more importantly, my marriage. I'm not as patient with my kids and really just don't want to deal with anything at all. Why can't there be a 12-step program dealing with depression and anxiety? What do I do next? I'm working on yoga and meditation. I exercise at least four times a week. To the outside world, I'm strong, calm, and have the idea life. I have lost two people very close to me, my sister two years ago and my stepdad who I considered my father, not even a year ago. I really don't want to take medication. I have always been a worrier and people pleaser. Amy, thank you so much for submitting that question. And Kate, let's start with her question where she says, what do I do next? And I think oh. what jumped out at me is she said, I really don't want to deal with anything at all. So my question for you is like, Let's start with what did she do next, and I'm super curious. Have you ever been in that place where she says like I don't want to deal with anything at all? And what did you do? And what do you think would be best for Amy? Wow. Yes, I'm I'm there all the time.
2: (laughs) Perfectly. (laughs) Right now, actually. Bye. Right now.
1: Right. No. Right. Bye. so first of all I want to acknowledge Amy for all that she is doing I mean that's that's one of the things that, that, that popped out to me that she's doing yoga, meditation she's exercising it sounds like she's doing everything quote right you know um, and sometimes uh, you know all of the things that we know in the self-help world that can help us um, to keep our brains balanced in a healthy way uh, sometimes they're not enough uh-huh. and so So the first thing I want to do is acknowledge her for all of the stuff that she is doing because I think that sometimes we overlook that sometimes we're like, well, yeah, of course I'm doing all those things, but it's actually a big deal when you're in the midst of overwhelming anxiety uh, and panic attacks to do those basic self care pieces. So the fact that, that you're doing those Amy, I want to say like, yay, like really amazing. And in terms of what to do next, I mean, in my opinion, and I am not a, I'm not a medical professional. I am a trained certified life coach as, as is Andrea. Um, and you know, there are certain things that are therapy issues. Uh Um, and I do think that if you're doing absolutely everything that you can possibly think of to do on your own, uh, sometimes outside help really is needed. And you know, there's no shame in that. There just isn't. Uh, And to answer your question, Andrea, you know, it's hilarious because I think I I said the other day, I posted on Facebook the other day, you guys, my therapist is really good. I'm so annoyed.
0: (laughs) Because we can't pull one over on our therapist. Right. I'm like, God, really? There's
1: more. And I am like, you know, I've got to almost 20 years of 12-step work under my belt. I've got, you know, a decade's worth of therapy under my belt. I am a, tr- a professional professional. I am a personal development professional and really there's more. And I just don't want to, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, sometimes unfortunately the more work you do, the more work there is to do. And it, you know, and I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful, but I get that. I get that just like, Oh,
0: more <laughs> again. Yeah. More again. again that's so really? Many times. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with everything you said. And I, and I, the one thing I want to argue with is that you said you're not a medical professional, but you've played one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everyone, I will everyone go Google, true. um, nurse Kate on Grey's anatomy. And that <laughs> <Idiotomy>. me. <laughs> how many seasons was it? One season or two? Oh, it was five, five. The first five seasons, right? Yeah, okay. I, th- oh, I
1: started in season two. I don't remember. It was so long ago. I had just had my baby. I don't know. It starts out with me like having completely really full breasts that need to be Remember that? And, like, yeah. I didn't want to be the one YouTube on it. set to be like, "Hey, I need to pump." So yeah, it <laughs> kind of starts around there. <laughs> Nurse case. Okay, so kind, kind <laughs> anyway. of, kind
0: of a medical professional, but not really. But not really. exactly. But I mean, yes, I agree with a lot of things that you said, and there, were there's several sentences that jump out at me and we're going to get to the question about what it means and looks like to to be with your feelings and i mentioned this in the in the first part of the podcast where um, the other the other uh Listener had posed the question and, and said, I, I've heard one of her sentences was, I, I feel like I lose my rational mind. And I think, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's kind of happening for, for Amy too, is that I feel like in order to get to a place where we are able to work on our stuff and really think, think rationally about things and learn new tools and and new ways of behaving and coping skills, we have to get to that place where we're using our rational mind. If you are clinically depressed and or have clinical anxiety, then you're not in that place. So you can do all the yoga and all the meditation and all the exercising and all the green smoothies that can help a little bit, but it gets to a point where it, it's not going to get you to that place of mm-hmm. neutrality, of homeostasis mm-hmm. that you need to be in. So yeah. I think both of us are saying, if you haven't already talked to a doctor and or a trusted therapist or psychiatrist, go and see if. because And, and for anyone listening who hasn't gone, I don't know if this was your experience, Kate. When I went, so when I was 26-ish, might have been 27 I got to my breaking point with anxiety. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I felt like I was going crazy. I didn't know I was having panic attacks. And I went to the doctor and she, I don't remember if my therapist had told me to go or not, you know, because therapists don't prescribe medication. So my therapist may have told me to go, probably, I don't remember. And mm-hmm. so I go to the doctor and she has me fill out this pretty lengthy questionnaire and if you've ever been to therapy and and gone through like the paperwork process it's probably pretty similar but they're they're getting like the basics of how you are um, mentally and emotionally getting a feel and so this one was specific for anxiety and depression and i tested with severe (laughs) generalized anxiety disorder and moderate panic disorder and it was It was a bittersweet pill to swallow i think because on one hand there was relief that i wasn't going crazy and on the other hand i was really angry i felt like my body had betrayed me i was not Mm -hmm. someone who had very much compassion for mental illness because i didn't understand it i didn't i grew up feeling like you need to just figure it out and and you know watching my father struggle with depression right after him and my mom split up and, and he got sober was very confusing because nobody really explained it to me. And I never asked anyone. So that was my experience of my diagnosis. And I went on medication for... I think I was on medication for about four years. No, longer than that. I can't remember. It might have been like a decade. I have no idea. No, sorry. <laughs> it was like four years. It was like time. four years because I got pregnant. Right. And um, yeah. I just... It changed my life to be honest with you it yep. I, it made me realize like oh okay this is this is what it feels like to react in a normal way this is what it feels like to not like i hate to say it but like i felt like i was losing my mind i was losing control yeah i
1: I, I 100% agree with that. I, I really resonate with that experience. I, for me, when I was dealing with my anxiety, I actually didn't know what it was. Yeah. Me neither. Right. Like I had this physical sensation. I was like, I can't breathe. I can't mm-hmm. breathe. I can't breathe. And I would tell my therapist this and we would talk about the feeling. Um, and then I, I was also st- suffering from extreme depression at the time. It was right after my divorce. I had no idea who I was and what I, I my whole life was you know up in arms and, um, and I went to my physical, my, my doctor, doctor, and I said, you know, I, I think I'm, I've got, I think I'm depressed. I think I might need to go on medication. And he said, well, what about anxiety? And I was like, oh, wait, that is that, that thing in my sternum where I can't breathe mm-hmm. and I'm like debilitated. And he was like, y- yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that wow. would be anxiety. And when I got, and I, the same and I want to destigmatize medication because I know Amy says, I really don't want to take medication. And I get that. Like I fully get that. And I'm not advocating for it for you, for, for Amy, because uh-huh. like I couldn't do that. Um, but you know, I, I often wonder when people say, I really don't want to take medication. And I say, well, I think like, why, why not? Right. Cause there is a stigma, there are side effects. There's all sorts of reasons not to, um, But if you're not doing it because of the stigma, right, if you're not doing it for physical reasons or all of that, I like, I get that. Um, but I feel like we have to destigmatize it in a way that's responsible. And, you know, I talk about my experience with medication a lot because I think it helps people. I think it helps people to go, Oh, wow. Okay. And I think for you too, Andrea, like, you know, for people like us who people, turn to for help for us to go, Hey, we did it, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it helped. I think it's important. I really do. And again, I'm not advocating for or against it for anyone individually. I just think that there's a stigma that we need to break down because it really can be so helpful.
0: Completely. And I, I yeah, again, and you're going to hear Kate and I say this over and over again, because like, we are not doctors and we don't, I just don't think it's for everyone, but I do mm-hmm. think it's for some mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and I don't think it's for everyone forever because I, I, I often yep. wonder if people think that like, well, once I get, get on it, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be on it forever. And that's not true. I mean, I was on it for several years and then the reason I stopped was because I got pregnant and they told me, well, we can't, the one that you were on is not okay for pregnancy, but we can find one that works. And then I was like, going to have to go through that and I was like you know what let me just see how I feel without it and I'll take it from there and I was okay and so which is which is a great segue for you know the the whole how how it looks to feel your feelings here is is a reason that I think that helped me get off medication and stay off medication I don't think that this works for everyone so I don't want to say this is how you do it but for me I really think did I tell you Kate about what happened with my blood pressure I did didn't I I'm not sure okay remind me Tell us. I I will. I will. So glad you asked. So (laughs) I had chronic hypertension from the time I was a teenager. It's something Mm -hmm. that runs in my family. My grandmother, my maternal grandmother had it and was not um, not taken care of well enough for it. She also had 11 children. uh, And she (sighs) died of a massive heart attack when she was 52, I believe. I know she was in her early 50s. My mom was 22, it was it was long before I was born. And mm-hmm. then my mother has it and has been on medication for a long time. And long story short, I was put on medication for high blood pressure in my 20s. And wow. I know, and it was always really, and, and the kind of interesting thing is that, so throughout my teens and into my 20s, every time I would go to the doctor, or any I had my blood pressure taken, it was high. And they would say, you know, that's interesting and but nobody ever said we should go and check this out and and wow. you might need medication because i was not i did not fall under like the cuz you were a, basically a kid cuz right? i was right I mean, cuz i was young and i was not overweight i didn't smoke or do any of the have risk factors for it except that i did have it so what ended up happening is I, I'll never forget it. I had the flu, and at the time I had like just started a brand new job, and I didn't have insurance. And my dad took me to like urgent care and paid cash for it. It was so sweet. And then they took they took my blood pressure there, and it was so bad. And the doctor, I mean, it was just like this random ER doctor. He was like, mm-hmm. "Is it always like this?" And I said, "Yes, it's been like that for years." And he said, "If you don't get on medication from your regular doctor, you will have a heart attack by the time you are forty if this keeps up." Wow. And I was like, "Holy." crap. crap. So I got on medication and I had been on it forever and I was even on it when I was pregnant with both of my children. And then we moved and we left this is when we left Utah and moved to North Carolina. So, you know, I was already in my late 30s at that point. Mm-hmm. And I ran out of medication and hadn't gotten around to getting a brand new doctor. And I have always had one of those high blood pressure kits where I monitor my own. <clears throat> and I'm like, I should probably check my blood pressure just to see, you know, if it's okay. And I checked it and it was kind of okay. But I'm like, well, this machine is pretty old, so I it's probably not right. So finally, like a year after we moved to North Carolina, I go to the oh doctor God. and I told her, you know, I have chronic hypertension. I've been medicated for, you know, 15 years and here's all the medications I've been on, um, you know, thinking she's just going to prescribe me and she they took my blood pressure and she's like, your blood pressure is normal. And I was like, how, like, you don't understand. Like I, when I, after I had Colton, my blood pressure was 210 over 190. Oh I my was God, seeing Andrea. stars. I was seeing stars. And my stepmom, who is a nurse, was in the room with me and she was like freaking out. She's like, you, you don't understand. Like She's going to have a seizure. Like you, anyway, so she got me on, it was like an IV. It was, I was so sick. I was in the hospital oh. for a week after Colton was born. And because of that. So it's like, it's no joke. It's Mm. not just like mildly high. It's been bad. So the point of my story is that it turns out it went away and Mm. I attribute it and I don't know for sure, but it started to happen when I got sober and when I started to deal with my shit, Mm. when I started to heal from, and and by by no means am I totally healed. I started to deal with my grief. I started to Mm -hmm. look at all the stuff. Scary as shit stuff that I had stuffed down my entire life, yep. all started to come out, and I started to learn how to feel my feelings. My blood pressure, my high blood pressure, went away. Like, yep. do you think it's a coincidence? <clears throat> I don't think it's a
1: coincidence. I don't think so either. I don't. And listen, again, we're not medical professionals, even though I say we want to be. Disclaimer, 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 um, disclaimer. But I, I agree. And you know, the here's the thing that also pops out to me about Amy's email is that she's had tremendous amount of loss in yes. the last couple of years and that there is grief and grief is a son of a bitch. And I frankly don't know a lot about it cause I've never experienced it to this degree. And so Andrea, you are probably the better person, um, to address that. But I, I think it would be irresponsible in talking about Amy's, uh, email to not point that out, that, That when we don't deal with our grief and when we don't deal with the feelings, it leaks out the sides. Uh It's like we're trying to, like, you know, contain – I always (laughs) – It's a weird, a weird analogy, but I always feel like it's like a container of slime and we're trying to like squish it together. And it is always like pushing out the sides in some other way, Mm -hmm. right? Whether that's through hypertension or whether that's through anxiety or whether that's and grief is one of those things that is so all encompassing that it's almost like, you know, it comes out at the end of Amy's email and I kind of feel like it's probably primary. Yeah. Yeah you know, I agree. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably something that you, that you can address more clearly. But I, I agree that when we, when we don't want to look at that stuff, we don't want to deal with the grief. We don't want to deal with the trauma. We don't want to, you know, this is why I was in my therapist's office last week going or earlier this week going like, Oh no, please don't make me do that again. Please don't make me do that again. But you know, I'm in there dealing with some really intense stuff. And if I don't deal with this other stuff. Like that's why it's happening again. That's why mm-hmm. I'm back at therapy because there's still stuff that's still unresolved. That's coming out in the present and affecting my life yeah. in different ways. Right. And it's sort of like that thing where you have like a calf injury, but your back hurts. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm making a whole lot of sense, but I feel like grief, you know, when we don't deal with our feelings, when we don't feel our feelings, even the really ugly, painful, horrible ones, we just don't want to deal with. It turns into anxiety. It turns into panic attacks.
0: Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram Yeah and it, and she might have been predisposed to that already and mm-hmm. you know before her sister and her stepdad died and mm-hmm. then i think what what tends to happen i mean this was definitely the case for me when when the really hard stuff happened yeah. i had no coping skills so i immediately went to um, you know the in my body it was insomnia panic attacks and just uh, massive massive anxiety chronic mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. had mild depression but mostly mine manifested with anxiety and insomnia and an an obsessive uh, there was also obsessive compulsive disorder too. like looking back at my behaviors and even some of them now too I'm like oh yeah that was there as well and she you know she talks about numbing as well and and I, I, I yeah. totally agree that we, we don't want to and it, it is hard to deal with it and look at it and it's easier to just like well maybe I'll do more yoga maybe I'll, I'll work out more and again I think that that can be helpful but but it's quite frankly it's not enough and so no. all right so in, in terms of like how how do you actually feel your feelings I think that Like you did in the beginning of of, uh, this conversation. I want to acknowledge her for the really great thing, Amy, is that you're at a point where you're like, okay, this isn't working like (laughs) like what's going on. And I think acknowledging it first and foremost, like that there is something massive that's going on. And like your body's trying to tell you something is is what is happening. I just finally started reading that book. The Body Keeps the Score. Have you read it, Kate? No. Oh my God. Okay. Run out, everyone. I'll put a link in the show notes. I got it on Audible because I like to read or listen to self help, and I mean, there's a reason. Just on Audible alone, there's over 2,500 five star reviews. Um, wow. It's a doctor who wrote it. It's scientific about trauma and because grief is, is trauma, and mm-hmm. you know what what happens to our bodies and, and basically how our our bodies hold on to. What happens to us, and we have to process it. And so I haven't gotten that far into it yet, but I can just tell you from experience, Amy, like what I have done. And there are very specific things like, first and foremost is therapy. And And working with someone that you really trust, and I have been through, I had one therapist that I loved for a long, long, long time back in San Diego. Mm -hmm. She retired, and we moved, so I no longer talk to her anymore. But I've been through, I think, five since her. There was two or three in Utah, and there was two here, and I found someone here now in North Carolina that that I really, really like. And it's and, you know, actually, in two weeks, I'm doing a podcast episode about that, like how to find a great therapist and how to get the most out of therapy. So I don't want to jump in too much about that. But it's also about having people in your life that you trust enough that you can come to where you can have these breakdowns, because I'm sure that that's if it hasn't come already, it's coming in regards Mm -hmm. to the death of these people that you cared immensely about. And what I'm talking about are these, um, you know, breakdowns in the shower or, you know, on the kitchen floor where you're just crying so hard and it, you know, and and you don't really have anything to say. Can you do that in the presence of another human being who can just sit with you? And I'm not saying that those kind of grief episodes need to happen every time. I, I don't at all. I think that a lot of your grieving can be in private, but I think that when you have you need to let someone take care of you because Mm -hmm. grief is like you were saying, okay, it's like, it's all encompassing. It, it has the feeling, like I feel like it, there are times where I'm like, I feel like it's swallowing me whole. Like what is happening to me? And you don't, I I've always been, I've always struggled with surrender and there's two times in my life where I feel like surrender has taken me to school and that is giving birth and and losing my father because I have tried to control everything in my life. And those two things were things that I I had no control over. Mm -hmm. And the way that I look at grief too is, I was telling my friend Carrie this, and, and I was saying, you know, it's the times where grief knocks on the door and if I come out to the front porch and have a street fight with it, that's when it doesn't go very well or it's a lot harder. And that's when I resist it. That's when I push down the tears. That's when I get angry about it still coming around. But on the days where I open the door and see it standing there and I roll my eyes at it and just like, let it come in and sit down. It doesn't stay very long. So what Mm -hmm. that looks like is just crying Mm -hmm. when it comes up. Mm -hmm. And for me, and I don't know if this is the case for you, Amy, but it's, it's, it's the things that I thought I would, that would really knock me over. And you know like um, like my birthday and you know these bigger events, but it's the smaller things that just, Totally floor me like I was at the coffee shop and there was a guy that walked in and I happened to see that He had the same shoes and socks that my dad used to wear It's it's like these small things where um, You know, we were my husband bought a football and we were outside throwing the football around and my my husband was and me Because I know how to throw a pretty fierce spiral. We're showing the kids (laughs) how to do it You know, you you hold the football here, you you know, do this and this and this and I thought to myself my dad taught me how to do this and Mm. It is small things like that where like the emotion and the tears come and I just let it come instead of saying like, well, this is an inappropriate time or I don't want to deal with this. And it passes, passes fairly quickly. Yeah. But if it, if I don't let it out Mm -hmm. again, it's like that slime that you were saying, like it's just going to, it's going to come out somewhere and you know where it comes out. It comes out when you are, um, you know, blowing up at your kids and your husband. Yeah. Road rage.
1: Yep. That's what that is. And here's the thing, you know, I just, I just had this, this moment of how you, and I don't know if you actually did this, but, but, To have that moment in front of your children, you know, so often we feel that we have to hide our feelings from our kids, or we have to shield our kids from our grief or our pain. And the fact of the matter is, the more that we actually experience our feelings in front of our children, the more capacity they have to be with their own feelings. And so many of our problems, and this is, you know, this is the first sentence of Amy's email about, you know, what does it look like to be with your feelings? And so... Most of us were raised, certainly of our generation, were not shown. What it was like to be with feelings. We don't. Mm-hmm. We we did not come come by this naturally, um, because our parents were of the generation that didn't talk about their feelings, um, and and certainly hid them from us because they were trying to protect us. But what that did was not didn't actually give us a roadmap for how to be with our own feelings. Yeah. Um, and the more we allow our feelings in front of our children. The more we you know, process our feelings, not just in private, but as you said, with other people, including our children, uh, the, the, the more of a roadmap we provide for them and the more ability they have in their lives to be with feelings. And they're not scary. Mm-hmm. We're so frightened of our feelings because we weren't partly, I think, because, you know, partly because they're big and they're scary and they hurt um, and partly because we were not taught how to be with them. Right. And if, if our children have access to our private moments, they, it, it'll be less scary for them as
0: they grow. Mm hmm. Yeah. I don't remember who said this on the internet. Somebody that I follow might've been Brene Brown or Glenn and Joy Melton about, um, like I, I can't shield my children from their feelings and their struggles, but I can be a soft place for them to land when I right. have them. And yes.
1: And, and I think the way lessons. we do that, it is, and I think that the way that we do that is by being that, mm-hmm. right? How do we teach our children that we are their soft place to land if we're so busy putting up walls and having it all together?
0: Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And and I think too some you mentioned like some families just, you know, hide their emotions. I think some families had emotions and they may not have had great emotional boundaries, but they never discussed mm-hmm. it later. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mm-hmm. like you just leave the yep. children to try to figure out what was going on on their own, which they can't do. Yeah. And so that's one right. thing I I try to teach my kids too and just just make it all okay. But for Amy, you know, being now that she's an adult, I I think it's Also, I'll give you another tip that's, that's really helped me is, is writing about it and you Mm -hmm. don't have to be a writer. You just have to be somebody who knows how to read and write and just go for it and and just anything, (laughs) like just get it out on paper. Because I know for me, a lot, a lot of times I can't make sense of my feelings until I get them out on paper. For me, it comes out sometimes as really dark, kind of like, Beat poetry, which which I, I know like isn't for everyone, but just getting out your feelings. You know, I've written. You know, you can write letters to people. Write a letter to your sister. Write a letter to your stepfather. Write a letter to. And I think also when it comes to grief and and someone passing away, I I have found that it it was very confusing for me because there were so many emotions for me to grapple with. I didn't. I knew I would be sad, but I didn't. What took me by surprise it was. I didn't know I was also going to be angry and have regret and be furious at times and uh, irritated like I was so irritated with so many people and lonely like the loneliness I think just brought me down so much and then when you're in that loneliness that's especially when we don't want to reach out because grief is, is such a I mean it is a full contact emotion and I think that yeah just if if, amy if you could walk away with just talk to somebody who a grief counselor or a therapist and Mm -hmm. or hopefully someone that you trust enough to say i'm falling apart i don't need you to fix it i just need you to to stand here in this moment with me and give me a hug or you know hold put your hand on my back as i am sobbing Just be with me. And that's going to be really uncomfortable for that other person, depending on where they are with their own feelings. But it's Mm. extremely vulnerable for that person, too. So it has to be the right person. And and which is yeah, which is why a therapist is sort of
1: such a good person for that, because it's they're trained to be able to absorb that and hold that as
0: well.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, So I think I think those two are really big steps. Mm-hmm. There are other tools, but I don't I know my people and I know that they like to have a lot of things. Like I want a lot of choices and I want to do all of them and I want to have yep. this big to do list of all the ways I can do this. And yep. actually in my book, Amy, I, the one that's coming out in December, there is an entire chapter on numbing and I, there's I have eight tools, but. I think that the ones that we gave, I think those are the biggest. And and I really (laughs) want to emphasize the one, both of them, but especially the one about sharing your story and that in and of itself can be daunting, but I think is so very important.
1: I agree. I really do. I really do. I think, I think the more we get it out, the safer we become, right? The more and and we, you know, we, we, we're at a point where you know anything happens in in my life or your life, and we we're on the boxer. We're sharing. We're opening all that stuff up, and it is such a relief. It's a it's a pressure cooker when we don't.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Um, <clears throat> I still struggle with that a little bit, um, and. Mm-hmm. It just, it's what I think also helps. What's helped me is to catch myself when I'm making up stories about not reaching out. And that's tricky because, you know, these beliefs and these stories get so embedded and they're 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 subconscious for so many of us and they are for me sometimes too but i realize when i start to feel resentful or irritated and i'm like that that's sort of like my red flag that something's going on there's a conversation i'm not having with someone i'm i'm holding stuff in and it's it's multi-layered and um but it's so worth it once you finally start to figure it out and it's not linear amy i wish it was (laughs) But it's not. It's not be great. Well, and yeah, and and here's the thing that you're pointing
1: to, to Andrea, is this idea that you know. Of uh, getting to know ourselves, right? And getting to know, oh, look, I'm having a reaction. Is the reaction about what's actually happening? Or is this reaction about something else that's going on that I'm not processed or not dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. And so many, so often our reactions are indicators. They're great indicators about what might really be going on. Um, and what I would encourage you to do is in those moments to stop and check in with yourself and check in with your body. Because our mm-hmm. body, as Andrea was saying, in this book, which sounds great. Right. Our bodies are great indicators of what's happening with us. Our bodies are great. um, um, uh, Well, indicator, I guess, is the best is the best word. Right. So, you know, when we when we start to freak out to stop and say, okay, where am I feeling this? What am I feeling? I'm feeling tightness in my chest. Okay. Like just to be completely present in the moment, you know, your question is what does it mean and look like to be with your feelings? And often because we carry our feelings in our bodies, what it really looks like is to ask ourselves where we feel the feelings, where, where is the tightness? Where is the pain? Mm -hmm. Really pay attention. Right. And to breathe into that. And it might take you down uh it might take, yeah, I know, right? I know, <laughs> right? Harder. Oh god, no, please no. no, right? So it might take you down further. It also might uh be soothing and calming.
0: Yeah. To a degree. Because it helps get us out of our heads. Right. Right. And I and I am testimony to the person who used to think to myself, there's no way I'm gonna do that because if I open up that door, I oh, might yeah. never stop crying. I might never yep. come out alive. Yep. And you will, but I, mm-hmm. I went in kicking and screaming and I, and I got to a point where the alternative was mm-hmm. that I was, I was falling apart. So it's like, okay, either I fall apart the hard way or I fall apart the easy way. <laughs>
1: right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's going to leak out the edges or I can actually be, a, like a party to it like i can actually be in partnership with my pain
0: or my pain can just take over my take life mhm yeah right? and that's where i was at and so you know that was much of the reason why i got sober and really jumped into to this work and 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 yeah i am okay on the other end it has been since I got sober, it has been the most eye opening about this whole world of feelings and what that looks like. And I'm still learning stuff, you know, almost six years later. And, Amy, we wish you the best of luck. And I hope that this was helpful. Kate, thank you so much for coming thank you. on. Thank you for having me, Andrea. And again, Amy,
1: I, 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 I second Andrea's motion, you know, wish you the best of luck
0: and please uh, continue to take care of yourself and reach out. Yeah, absolutely. You guys heard it here from nurse Kate. (laughs) 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 I love that. Okay, everyone. So the, the show notes for the episode that I was talking about, um, about going gray there the, are the links to that as well as the book the body keeps the score as well as the link to the tanning and tacos and transformation conference which is open for registration early bird price is only on until june 6 so get your booty on the dance floor and get over there you guys so thank you so much for being here and until next time i will see you out in cyberspace Bye bye